Thanks everyone. So uh, who wants to live forever? I guess uh, it's uh, an interesting question with interesting movies made about it, but I know one thing I'd like to, to live forever. And in thinking about this topic and in, in some of the reading, uh, I, I think it could be possible one day, and I'm going to explain why. I, I just want to caveat this talk to say I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not trying to um, sort of make light of any of the diseases or issues that I'm, I'm going to speak about, but hopefully uh, what I'll speak about will show that there's, there's quite a lot of hope and quite a lot of uh, prospects for some of us to live forever. Why did I think about this? I guess um, a couple of things happened to me in, uh, in June, and uh, the birthday cards really didn't, didn't help. And being a good actuary, I, of course, got straight onto the... Uh, thedeathclock.com, and figured out how long I was going to live. Those of you who are really good at maths will work out that I did that three weeks ago. Bit of division there. Um, and I also started to think about how I might uh, uh, die, thanks to uh, flowing data. And what's really interesting is that external causes, um, you'll see later, that's really accidents and things like that. But as I get older, it's circulatory, cancer all of those types of, of nasty diseases. And those are really the factors that um, limit life at the moment. Diseases that people are getting as they get older. So um, the next thing that, uh, that happened to me uh, in June was the birth of my, uh, my daughter. Uh, she's six months old now. She's uh, a lot more chill than I am with the, the hands, wakes up every morning like that. Um, but her clock's also ticking, and I think you know, she's got three times as long to live for me. I, I have to confess, to illustrate the point, I put her on the optimistic setting. But uh, as all actors will know, um, the probability of you living depends on the age that you get to, but equally, mortality is, uh, is improving. Um, I mentioned uh, the plenty of ways to die. Um, the disclaimer's on Chuck Norris, this isn't my list, but I do believe if you offend him, you're in trouble. Top three, heart disease, cancer, and stroke. And, and that goes back again to that, uh, that diagram that I, I showed earlier. All of the others pretty much are, are accidents or natural disaster related. And you, the, the, there's very little you can do about that beyond being, being cautious. Um, just thinking about what's happened for, for heart disease, so this is um, heart attacks effectively, decreased top ac across the last 20 years in, in all of these countries. There's a couple of countries where it's increased, nobody knows why. Um, 
Similarly, stroke. Strokes also decrease. Now, both of these have decreased because of changes in lifestyle.、Uh, people smoke less. People are more aware of diet.、Um, people manage their stress and do do all of those types of things. And in the insurance industry, we're seeing that with people living longer, people claiming less. So, so this is a big impact. If if you look at some of the UK studies, you can really see how. Um, just these two diseases have had a huge impact on on life expectancy. So, basically,、uh, I'm Raymond Bennett, and I'm going to tell you how to live forever. <laughs> so, being a good actuary, I've got、uh, this this chart. And if you were alive 30,000 years ago, you could expect to live to age 30. It's interesting to see that. As、um, time progressed, the expectation increased, but then also decreased, and that was often in times of, you know, plague and、uh, wars and and those sorts of things. But if you look in a developed country, and this is Canada, 82 to 85 years is the life expectancy, depending on whether you're male or female. And if you can read that, cancer, heart disease, and stroke are the biggest killers in the developed world. So again, what、uh, what what does that mean? If you then look and say, "Okay, there, there's a lot of change going on in the world. We've got Uber. I still get pretty happy whenever I click, 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 and a taxi turns up.、Uh, electric bicycles. I think this is, yeah, very nice. Although whether you get exercise as a result, I don't know.、Um, things like sunglasses. So for a long time, glass could tint, but this you can actually control electronically. So if you don't like how much it's tinted, you make it lighter or less light." Drones. I love the idea of having my my lunch delivered to me by drone,、uh, my pizza delivered by drone. Not sure if you tip the drone or not, but you know we'll figure that out. Driverless cars、uh, been mentioned a couple of times, and、um, I'm sure everybody knows Uber are actually on the road. I think it's in Cincinnati in the U.S. actually testing the driverless cars. They come with the driver who sits there in case anything goes wrong. But you know the technology is is going there. Um, robotics, lots of advances in robotics. I'm tempted to swap my dog for this one because I bet you you don't have to clean up poop.、Um, artificial intelligence, again, another、uh, few sessions I've been in talking about artificial intelligence and applications in in insurance, but also wider applications in in the rest of the world. We've got the impact of smartphones, of smart watches, of artificial intelligence. Uh, this next one is、uh, is actually my wife's favourite,、uh, not not the concept, the KFC, but this is a restaurant in、uh, China that's fully automated, fully run by robots.、Um, my favourite one is uh, coffee.、Um, if you go to Mara's Arch and、uh, you, you can actually have it in an ice cream cone, you stir the chocolate depending on how sweet you want. It's awesome. But There's obviously those things. Obviously, aren't going to help me live longer. There's arguments. Coffee, yes, no, maybe. KFC, certainly not.、Um, and if you look at what what else is happening, you know, these are examples of innovation. So you've got your blockchain, you've got your big data, you've got all of the insure tech companies. So those things are going to have an impact. But where I'm thinking this、uh, possibility to live forever is really going to come from medical research and medical technology. Um, and I want to go through a few examples to talk about that, and then perhaps we can we can have a think about what that might mean for for us. Back to my list of、uh, when we're going to die.、Uh, let's take cancer. So cancer is 
you know, a nasty disease and, and, and a big problem in the, in the world. It's interesting, though, because if you lived to 30 in 30,000 years ago, nobody died of cancer. You never got old enough to get cancer. So this is a, an issue that's sort of hand in hand. And I'm mentioning this now because in a few slides you'll see why uh, I, I want to make that link. But already in the US, um, Obama in his uh, State of the Nation presentation in January this year, um, he, they want to cure cancer once and for all. So, so that's not a, a, you know, some tech company saying, yeah, we think we can do it. This is a, a, one of the most developed countries in the world setting up a program and throwing a lot of money at this issue with the aim of curing it. Um, now, some of the research has uh, uh, developed various um, treatments. Um, a lot of those treatments are, are now found to depend on your genetics. So, so the treatment is individual to an individual person and also to where you have cancer. If you've got it, I don't know, the lungs versus the brain versus the prostate versus leukemia, the treatment's all different. The number of medicines means that there's 540,000 combinations of potential treatments and it would take a human doctor over 100 years to be able to process that information and figure out how to treat you. And that's obviously not going to work. So um, this uh, website, this service uh, called Rosalind, uh, is named after Rosalind Franklin, who um, had some influence on the discovery of, of DNA. Um, and basically, they are a data analytics uh, service. The only condition is that the data that you put there, they get to, to keep and to use to, to develop and to build and to teach and to understand. Um, so this effectively does what would take a human 100 years um, very, very quickly, and it does it using analytics and simulation type techniques. Um, but there's also other types of, of, of treatment. So this one I found was, was very interesting. Uh, this guy in China, and if you see the date on this, um, well, if you follow the link, this is uh, the 20th of November this year. They injected this guy with um, modified immune uh, uh, cells that were basically designed to help fight his, his lung cancer. And they're sort of saying, okay, so this is the start of moving towards curing not only cancer, but other types of autoimmune diseases. So I, th I think that's another interesting development. And you can go onto Google and you can find many, many examples. Another one I found quite interesting is, is the Berlin patient. So this is a guy who contracted HIV, um, and, and what typically happens with HIV is you very easily contract other diseases. So he got, I think, leukemia, um, and basically they said, okay, well, we need to treat your, your leukemia, and uh, through that treatment, he was effectively also cured of, of HIV. Um, so he's no longer on, on antiretroviral treatment, and, and he's the only person in the world who, who this has happened. And there's a number of factors, but one of them is the, the treatment that they used. They took the cells from somebody else who had a mutated chromosome, and that mutated chromosome was, was targeted at the cancer, but what they think is that actually helped and attacked the HIV as well. So, so this is the start of people saying, okay, well, hang on a minute, what investigation do we need to do to tackle HIV? And again, there's a lot of research even in South Africa, all over the world, into sorting out HIV, another major problem. But what if we could just kill all viruses, every single virus in the world? And this, again, is 
a collaboration between um, IBM and a university in, in Singapore. And, and they're basically at the point where they've got, by 2023, somewhere there, they're expecting to have a spray that they can walk into a room contaminated with, say, Ebola, spray it, and pff, gone. Now, obviously, you talk about superbugs and all of those things, and, and there's risks. But the interesting thing about this is they're saying it'll kill any virus, and it won't damage human cells. So they, they want to develop it to a point where you inject it or take it, and it kills whatever virus you've got, doesn't matter, but it doesn't affect your health. I think that's, that's also interesting. Um, spinal cord repair. I, I can remember when uh, uh, Superman fell off his horse and, and damaged his spine, and he obviously did a lot of work uh, around uh, you, you know, paraplegics and, and raising um, research and those sorts of things. But this is, again, something that's, that's very recent, 4th of November. And, and these zebrafish, when their spines break, they're able to, to effectively build a bridge, and then over time, the nerves actually regenerate through that bridge. So scientists are starting to say, well, we're going to try and use that to, to help people with, uh, with spinal injuries. I link back to anti-aging research, because I think this is really where um, living forever will, will come in. And, and we'll talk in a bit about limiting factors and, and how those could be overcome. But these are all three different examples. Uh, and, and the one of them, I think this one here, the year we decided to live forever, this is a bunch of very, very wealthy people who are probably slightly older than, than, than the norm because yeah, they're, they're just at that stage of life. And, and they're basically saying, well, I want to live a bit longer. And they're starting to fund different companies. Um, the one I want to talk about is, is this one. So the CEO of this company, BioViva, Elizabeth Parrish, she actually went through this, this treatment that they're, um, that they're proposing. And she actually did it as, a, as an experiment against her doctor's orders. They're quite worried about uh, you know, after effects and unknown effects. And, and it's you know, way too early in clinical trials. But effectively, she wanted to prove that it would work and she wouldn't die from it. Um, now, what it does is... It considers a thing called the Hayflick limit. Now, Leonard Hayflick was a guy in the 60s. He figured out that cells could multiply, oh, sorry, cells could divide a certain fixed number of times, about 40 times. After that, they die. So all of the cells in your body can divide 40 times, and then they die. Um, that basically means maximum life expectancy is 120. I, I can't do the maths. Um, it's quite a lot of cells here. But 120 is, is what science says. This um, research looks at these things called telomeres, and, and basically that is a thing on your, on your chromosomes, on your cells that protects the cell. As the cell divides, that thing gets shorter and shorter. When it's too short, your cell dies. So this treatment is effectively to lengthen those telomeres. By lengthening them, your cell never dies. So can you see where we're going with anti-aging? And the interesting thing with anti-aging is the, the link with cancer so, and, and other diseases are often caused by aging. You know, I mentioned earlier, if you don't get old, you don't get exposed to these types of diseases. If you make it to a, an older age, it's your, your cells that are dividing, starting to mutate, scar tissue on major organs. Those are the things that, that basically kill you. Now... All of this is, is very interesting, but at the worst, they're also looking at, at raising people from the dead. Um, since this article came out in, in May, 
Uh, there have been some ethical concerns raised. Um, but, but again, this is basically taking brain-dead people and, and resuscitating them. Um, some people might say it's, uh, it's actually time to go shopping, and I guess, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a concept. But, but these are all examples of things that I believe, current research, that I believe will have a very big impact on our life. Now, the skeptics in the audience are going to say nonsense, so let's take a case study, smallpox. Four, 300 to 500 million deaths in the 20th century. So that's in the period after 1900, so less than 100 years ago. Enter Edward Jenner. He figured out that people who had cowpox, which didn't kill you, seemed to become immune to smallpox. And, and he basically figured out how to vaccinate people. Roll on a few years. 1980, smallpox is, is considered eradicated from the world. So this is a disease that killed 500 million people, now is non-existent. Um, the, 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 that story is about vaccination, but there are people who don't believe in vaccination. Uh, so th this is actually from one of their websites. They're basically saying there's other things that stop these diseases. But the end result is all of these diseases that were massive issues, massive problems in the past, are gone. Typhoid, all related to um, cleanliness. So basically, you control cleanliness, you don't get typhoid. Similar things with cholera penicillin, uh, measles injections, all of these things are problems in the past. And if we need more examples, uh, you know, these are all people who are, are very, very advanced, cycling and, and not doing, you know, dancing or something like that. Skiing, I want to know where you got that huge bar of chocolate, but anyway. Um, and this is my favorite, this guy, if, if I had a stomach like him, sure. Um, so, so, so I think there's a, a lot of uh, evidence out there and a lot of possibilities. Um, what could this mean for us? So, so if we're going to live for longer as a personal expectation, what could it mean? And, and I guess it comes down to linking it all back to technology. Maybe we need to earn money differently. Maybe we need to work longer. I'm not sure I want to work in the probably McDonald's for this length of time. Will we be able to save enough to have the financial freedom to actually retire. You know, you think about retirement at age 65, the traditional retirement age. If you're going to live to 150, maybe you can't retire at age 65. Will the world become overpopulated? And this is an interesting and very debatable point. Um, and you can see that there's no consensus. So the United Nations does several different projections. Um, my favorite is the low projection. I, I think that's the one. And the reason is, People have fewer children when they live longer, and that experience is, is seen in the developing markets and um, sorry in the developed markets and will probably be seen in the developed markets so so maybe overpopulation isn't an issue, but if it is, then scarcity of resources and competition for resources will become an issue. but if it isn't, perhaps you know we could have an amazing world where we're all living for an extremely long time. And that gives us the opportunity to work on a lot of the types of issues that, that affect us today. What could this mean for insurance? So, um, reflecting a very, very jumbled sort of thought process, um, I'm really going to leave questions with you. But if nobody's going to die, nobody's going to need insurance, except for accidental death, of course, because that still exists. If, if, if people are going to keep working because, well, you can't retire, you're not going to need a pension anymore. 
you are going to need health cover. You are going to need to be able to pay for these potentially expensive treatments. Some of them may not be expensive, but you are going to need different forms uh, of insurance. So, for me, I hope that raises some questions, and I hope you agree that uh, I'm going to live forever. Throwback to the 80s. Um, so, just in case anybody does want some further reading, I, I um, leaned heavily on, on, on these different sources. Um, that one up the top, the logo's disappeared. It's linked to the website, but the, the link works. Uh, I'm happy to take questions now. Um, we've probably got a few minutes for, for questions. Thank you very much, Raymond. What a fascinating talk. I think he deserves a, a round of applause. Thank you. Raymond saved me the, the wonderful trouble of introducing him. He introduced himself with the video and a, and a hello, so thanks for that, Raymond. Uh, you can read his bio on the app, which I'm sure you've all downloaded by now. Safe to say he's a partner at Deloitte, obviously interested in longevity. Uh, we do have time for questions. I'd like to take some now on, on Raymond's talk before we move on to the next one. Any questions uh, for Raymond? Come now. There we go. There's one question over there. In your experience, what, uh, what is the best protection at an individual level for longer than expected longevity? Um, at an individual level? Uh, do you mean financially or? Um, so I'm a life actress, so all I do is deal in death. Um, but I, I, I guess it comes down to the individual and you obviously have to start savings. Um, I, I think a lot of the traditional type products probably won't work anymore and we're going to uh, move into an environment where y you have to have some sort of investment that's going to last long enough. Um, they always say knowledge is power and I think a lot of the time if, if you can see these types of inventions and these types of companies and these types of changes, I think that's, uh, that's, that's your best uh, armor. But, but let's assume I've saved enough to, to take me, say, to 100. And if some of these pred predictions are correct and I live to 120, what can I do? So I'm, I'm now, I've done my best, I've worked hard, I've saved, I've done more than everyone else around me saving till 80. Yep. I've now found extra money that will take me to 100. Perhaps put your insurance hat on. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And I, th I think there is potentially a market for, for longevity type products to help with this type of thing. I mean, this is, this is a current issue. It's not necessarily an issue, uh, you know, just for living longer. People who retire now um, very often end up with living annuities and, and those types of things and, and run the risk of, of running out of money. Uh, you, social security is not necessarily an option. Um, I, so, so, yeah, so I'd say there is a market for, for some sort of insurance. I think my personal hope, having read a few of these articles, is that you're actually healthy enough that you can actually go and, and work and contribute and, and continue earning, and maybe not doing it in the sort of nine-to-five slog uh, that we all do, but maybe in, in sort of uh, advising companies or, or advising individuals. Um, I like to work where no one else is thinking, and I've been thinking very really long and hard about that particular question. Certainly for DB funds, you've got reinsurers that offer longevity protection, and we've seen some of it in the UK. Yeah. Um, but 
Uh, and as you alluded to, it, could, it, it, it ultimately will become a social issue if the, all of us are in that position. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it could, and hopefully I showed the two extremes, and hopefully we'll end up at the utopia. There's a couple more hands bit, up. A bit worried that all the pensions guys are asking me questions. <laughs> Guy, no, please. and then Matthew. Um, I, I wanted to offer a suggestion. Perhaps we could Buy develop a... Buy huh? Buy an annuity. annuity. No, um, <clears throat> uh, what if we developed a stop-loss income product, so it kicks in at age 100, yeah. um, and you invest the proceeds in... Uh, in these new technology companies that are trying to solve um, these health problems. If they fail, well, it doesn't matter. You don't need to pay out. Yeah. But if <laughs> they succeed, <laughs> then you've made pots of money yeah. and you can pay out. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. I like that. I think the, the buying an annuity one is risky because if you live to 150, the insurance company will be bankrupt. Well, they'll charge the new people more in you know, a higher price. Fair enough. Matthew. Thank you very much for a very thought-provoking uh, talk. The question, in your research, have you found that people will live uh, better quality lives or just longer lives? I mean, is the incidence of non-communicable diseases going to increase over time and the burden on, on things like medical schemes going to get worse? Even though people are living longer, they may have you know, worse outcomes in terms of mental health degeneration, non-communicable diseases, etc. Yeah, no, that's a very good question. And, and that's obviously a risk. Uh, you know, I, I used to speak to this guy and he used to sleep four hours a night and I said to him, you're going to be dead by the time you're 50. And he said, I don't mind because quality of life after that doesn't matter. But I, 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 think, I think it's a risk. I think the, the interesting thing, and obviously in 20 minutes I couldn't cover all of the, the, the sort of research out there, but there is research on Alzheimer's. The anti-aging type of research um, has potential to help with all of those types of, of, of issues that are currently associated with age. Um, but also, if you, if you read wider, a lot of these types of issues are also related to, to things like diet. Um, you know, sugar is, is, is obviously a big issue, diabetes, obesity, those types of things. Um, and then it becomes a very individual and very personal choice. But like I say, I think there's a heck of a lot of research that, that means more likely than not you're going to have a better quality of life. If you follow that uh, link on the, on the last page, um, that's actually an economics uh, sort of house out of, out of Texas in, in the US. Um, the guy who runs it is 70-something, and he's already taking some of these supplements and basically saying he's never felt better in his whole life. Um, and this guy being 70-something, he's, he's running a business, he's on a plane, flying here, flying there, he does conferences, he does all sorts. The guy writes uh, the, the particular newsletter that looks at the, the medical industry. He's also in his 60s. He's also taking these types of things. Um, that being said, I, I am a little bit skeptical. There is a little bit of a south side push coming from, from this uh, particular newsletter. Um, but I'm, I'm an optimist, ultimately. Thank you. Any other questions? There's one at the far back there. And another one over There's here in the front. Just, yeah. Um, hi, sorry, uh, can you uh, explain a little bit more about the reasoning but behind um, people having fewer kids when they, when they live longer? And the other thing is um, we must also take into account um, counter-effective counter, uh, 
um, factors such as um, the um, ineffectiveness now of a lot of antibiotics. Yeah. No, very, very good points. And, and like I said, the, the, the risks and the mutations and the development of superbugs, again, those, those are risks. But, but again, I think as medical technology, as, as medical innovation ad advances, those things are, are, can be controlled, potentially. Um, so, so the logic behind people having fewer children is, um, particularly in sort of uh, developing countries and in the past, people would have a lot more children. And, and the fact was, if you had 10 children in 300 years ago, chances are two of them would survive, or three. And, and, and that was a sort of a you know, mechanism, a, a, a way of saving for old age. Your children pay for you when, when you're unable to work and you, know, you, you sort of live with them. As companies, as countries develop, as societies develop, um, all 10 of those people, of those children, would be likely to survive now. It's probably 9.8, something like that, on an expected basis. That becomes very expensive from an education perspective. Um, you, you know, the need isn't there. And a lot of these countries are, are seeing birth rates actually declining as a result. If you look at it over time, that, that's the typical, uh, typical experience. So that's, that's my logic. Let me take one yeah. more question and then we'll move on to the next speaker. Um, Jonathan from My Way, live. Uh, a bit earlier you showed us um, you know, a DJ um, that was, I think, 76 and a cyclist that was 102. Um, but I think you, you missed uh, Robert Mugabe. <laughs> being uh, being you, a Zimbabwean, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I missed him a few times in different ways. <laughs> Um, what, what, I mean, do we, is there research, what is he using, because uh, <laughs> so, he's often going to Switzerland, and then as a life actuary, when do you expect him to die? So, uh, I, I've been expecting him to die for a long time, and uh, hoping for him to die, but okay. Um, it, yeah, I, I, I have heard rumors that he goes to Switzerland and Singapore and Malaysia and all sorts of places. So a, another good example. I will, I will use it next time I give this session. Raymond, thank you very much for an entertaining talk, both from a content and musical point of view. Let's give him another round of applause.